Welcome to John Judges. This is a very special episode we have here for you this evening, my little junkies at home. So you know what we do here. We talk about books. Um, we talk about our beloved genre, the, the things that a lot of readers look down upon with their snobbery. We talk about horror, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, all that good stuff. And today, we're going to talk about something that defies genre. And that is the beast, the beloved beast known as Star Wars. So we did read a book, and that's going to guide the first part of our episode here. What we read is uh, Thrawn, that's the title, Thrawn, by Timothy Zahn. It rhymes. It's, it's just, you can't, it makes you smile to say it. Doesn't it make you smile, guys? Yes, very much. It, one of one of the most beloved Star Wars expanded universe characters ever written. One of my favorites, for sure. So I guess I should let everybody know we have a guest with us this evening. So there's me, Sandra, your your beloved host. And we and have I'm your co-host, Scott. As always. And we are joined by Amanda. Say hello, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Oh, it's good. She she brought jokes. She brought jokes. I've been waiting years for that. <laughs> so why did we bring you in, Amanda? Well, I have been a self-acclaimed Star Wars nerd for just about as long as I can remember, um, having hit my peak somewhere uh, around when I first picked up the first Timothy Zahn book, actually, from mm -hmm. Star Wars. It kind of launched me down the path. So yeah. I'm so excited to get to talk about Timothy's on about Thrawn, about the expanded universe, about Star Wars in general. <laughs> it's funny, Thrawn and Thrawn. It's funny, and he, of course, yeah. came up with that character. So, do you think he made it because it rhymes with his name? I, I think so many of your better things in the world are created because they rhyme. Right. Um, so we're going to talk about all of that. So before we get too far into it, um, just as a refresher course, I want to talk to you a little bit about Thrawn. Who is Thrawn? Maybe you don't know. You probably do know. If you know anything about Star Wars Expanded Universe, because he comes up in movies, he comes up in graphic novels, in books. Um, did I say movies? You did say movies. I meant the TV show Rebels and lots of <laughs> novels. I think it's a matter of time, but that's well, okay. just between you Maybe. And okay, that was a Freudian slip, because I really, really, really hope that he comes into one of the movies. Oh, yes. I, I do too. Do you do you think Snoke is Thrawn? Oh my God! Don't I even. I don't think we can start going down there. We 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 can, we can attribute <laughs> Snoke to literally anybody. So That's I'm gonna true. say yeah. I'm gonna say That's he's Thrawn. Yeah, I'm okay if he's Thrawn, but Thrawn but Thrawn, Thrawn might do that. I. Mm, it's tactical. Mm, we if we want to talk more about Thrawn specifically, I yes. think we could go down the rabbit <laughs> okay. hole of Snoke is Thrawn very let's, easily. Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. So here's just the really quick Cliff Notes version of Thrawn. Thrawn is a character, like we said, created by Timothy Zahn. Um, he was introduced in 1991's Heir to the Empire novel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he goes on to be in all these subsequent things. He's a big deal. He is a Chiss. That is the name of his race. Uh, they are from the outer wild unknown regions of space. Uh, they are kind of notorious, like there's mythos surrounding them, but um, not a lot is really known about them. They're very mysterious. Uh, so he looks like what I assume is a standard chess. Uh, he has blue skin, like bright blue skin, uh, beautiful red eyes. 
<laughs> glowing red eyes. Glowing red eyes. And blue-black hair. He is a Grand Admiral in the Imperial Navy. Uh, he's brilliant. He's a tactical genius. He's always five steps ahead of everybody else. And I really like his real name. Thrawn is not like his real name. Is that his like Christian name? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely I guess the Anglicanized version. I could not possibly begin to uh, pronounce. Let me try his chiss name. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that to you. I say it because I love to say it all the time, and I don't think I say it right. But I say Mithra Nurodo. I think that's <laughs> no, no Mithra <laughs> Nurodo. I think they're equally valid. Um, I think that really as a standard operating procedure, there are so many different ways that Star Wars names get pronounced that we should just sort of live and let live. Your Mithron is her Mithron Frodo, whatever. It, I think it's fine. <laughs> Mithron Frodo. Yeah. Mithril Frodo? <laughs> oh, now I start to see a connection where no connection was before. Yeah, he's, he's a hobbit. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this book specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, how did we just taking the temperature in the room, how did much, like, how did you enjoy this? Just some initial thoughts. Um, let's start with you, Scott. Well, I, I read this book at a, at a good time for me to enjoy it. I was on a camping trip and I had lots of relaxing time to read. And I really enjoyed reading this book. I like the way that uh, Timothy Zahn writes, and it it really it, it spoke to me as I was reading it. I I, I I enjoyed it. Okay, okay. Um, Amanda, uh, you know what? So I enjoyed it as well. I mm, I have I can't say that it's my favorite Star Wars book. I can't even necessarily say that it's my favorite Timothy Zahn Star Wars book. But overall, I mean, it's a good read. It's fun. I I did really enjoy it. Okay. For me, um, I enjoyed it. This was like read it, like read it. If you're into mm -hmm. Thrawn, I'm super into Thrawn. If you're into Star Wars and this sounds at all interesting to you, read it do read it um it it was not the thrawn book i wanted yeah i can i also just state too that you may thank you <laughs> that this is a prequel of a prequel when we meet uh uh grand admiral thrawn in that first timothy zahn book in 1991 he is in fact at that point a grand admiral when we meet thrawn in the beginning of this book we've gone past uh a, a book that sets him up for kind of where he'll be in that that first introductory novel and then farther even into his history now he's just entering into the empire he has very little to recommend him really um he does have a singular connection that gets the emperor's attention but and we can go into that some other time yeah, yes but uh basically he has no rank he has no social status at the beginning of this it's really um an origin story for the character as we'll come to know and love him right so when i say that it's not the thrawn book i wanted 
I literally mean, and this says it on the back of the book, like, I don't know who I was deluding. I knew this wasn't going to be the plot of the damn book, but I wanted, like, early life in the Chiss village or the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, like, learning more about the mysterious uh, and enigmatic Chiss and, like, who was Thrawn's mom and dad? Like, what kind of games did Chiss children play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, you know, what? what's the benefit to having red eyes and blue skin? Um, d- did Thrawn ever fall in love as a youth? Right. Um, you know, like, what's, like, Chiss, like, social mm-hmm. structure and, and sexuality? Sure. And, I mean, it, it, they make it very clear from the beginning that he stands apart from other Chiss in so many different ways. It would be nice to know sort of, well, what's the archetypal uh, yeah, character he's profile? he's the Chissiest of Chiss. Yeah, so, but is he? Is, or is he? he? Is he a total outcast and outlier of his society? The blue sheep, if you will. Thank you. <laughs> um <laughs> like that would have been kind of nice to sort of inform how it is that he enters into the world of our intrepid heroes what do you guys think about the writing of this book i mean i know it feels kind of like I, we're not gonna say anything <clears throat> bad about timothy zahn because no. like if you no. read these books i mean i think he's a fantastic star wars writer but I mean, just really just kind of the the nuts and bolts of the book. It is we always talk about it. So uh, what do you think about the writing? Um, I'd like to start on this one. Um, oh, oh, please. And he did raise his hand. So I, you should go first. <laughs> Credit is I, given. I, I really like the way that Timothy Zahn writes. It it speaks to me with his tactical prowess. And when he talks about military, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I felt. Maybe because of the influences of Disney hamstringing his uh, his creative abilities, I feel like the general writing of the book suffered. What? 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 Hold! Hold on! Hold on! This is interesting. I'm gonna let, <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, Taylor. But um, so this is totally your opinion that Disney was doing any of this. This is my opinion, and I have I have. Uh, an example to back it up. This is a theory. So you're going to use the scientific method because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't have any, like, proof that this is, like, Disney had hands in the pie here. But, I mean, like... Well, I mean, I think, I mean, clearly at this point, they they do have something to say about anything yes. that's published. Um, They're uh, not going to let it be really weird. Right. I mean, and I, I and I'm sh- I, I want to let I want to hear what Scott wants to say about that because I I think that we're on a similar wavelength. So go on. What does Vanto look like? I uh, don't. He's not really described. No. Um. What do the other admirals that he serves with look like? Okay. Now I'm gonna I'm just gonna interject real quick here. I don't know if I'm saying this in defensive. I know you're not like <laughs> coming against. Um, <laughs> I almost called him Timothy Zahn. Um, wait, Timothy Fra- <laughs> Timothy Frond? Who is this person? <laughs> the real Timothy, please stand up. Um, so we all know. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with Stephen King. He's my hero. Um, Stephen King does not overly describe the physical appearance of his characters because when he writes them, he is them. I'm well, and at this moment, I'm trying to recall back to the other Thrawn books, 
if there's much description given usually with one huge exception who's laid out very very specifically as far as coloring and profile goes um but as far as the characters he's created i just i'm not remembering a really good physical description for any of them well it's not just physical description but that's what that was the easiest example i could come up with when he's writing characters that exist thrawn for example, which who he created, the emperor, he describes their mannerisms. He describes their 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 character in the way that they interact with the world visually, physically um, with characters that are new to the universe. He does very little to describe how they actually act. There'll be descriptions of their heart rate goes up or their you know face lights up with heat but they don't he doesn't do anything to to direct that cast almost as if he was told to keep everything as a clean slate in in case they cast those roles at a later date i can i can see what you're saying there i think i i think there there could be an element to that there too where it's like we need to leave this open for casting whomever we feel appropriate at the time if if and when this would ever make it to a screen um yeah i mean i I can i can see that i i for me it doesn't necessarily it didn't stand out as a problem um i did notice it though because like i love big description but being trained in in that stephen king method of that's how he writes the characters i'm a little bit more forgiving of character description appearances um, I know that was just an example, but um, I will say that about Timothy Zahn. I don't feel like he's the most l- luscious prose. No, which I actually think um, what you were saying earlier about kind of the way that he writes military movements and tactics. Um, I, I really like reading his space battles because he has a really nice way of laying out um, what's going on without making it boring. Like he makes it very specific and very interesting and very in the moment. He does, especially compared to a lot yeah. of um, science fiction battlecraft <laughs> writers. There are so many Star Wars books that I really love, but I it's just for me, I'm I'm not the nuts and bolts girl, so I'm not. No, me neither. I just I they lose me sometimes when it gets too. I know like, Scott's like shaking his I know, head, like no, I know. and no. so are most Star Wars fans. I think so many of them are in it for the tech, and I totally get that. But just for me, I, I it gets a little long in the tooth sometimes, and for him, I just always feel like. He's telling you this because he has something to tell you. But so, sorry. No, yeah, I I agree. He he takes the star the 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 sky battles more on from a, from an admiral's perspective, the the overall view. Mm-hmm. Um whereas the Star Wars movies typically take it from a uh from the view of an, of an individual fighter or or an individual freighter ship mm-hmm. and, and the pilots therein. In book form, unless you really, unless you're really into the individual fighter's experience, it, it is much more digestible when it's from a from an overhead perspective. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. Um, what else about um about the writing? The writing. Anything else like really jump out at you guys? I know in a way, I think it's kind of like reading a timothy zahn i can't speak reading a timothy zahn book is like putting on a comfortable old shoe like like if you've read him a lot you're kind of like 
oh, old friend. Like, well, yeah, you know, you're used to it. Yeah, and I and I will say again, I I don't think I'm alone in this. I'm pretty sure that Timothy Zahn's first book uh, there, which I hope I'm getting right, Heir to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in his first that would be embarrassing. I know, I know, but I was like, wait a second, was that the trilogy and just the title itself? I, I can't recall. even say his damn name, so That's you're fine. <laughs> um. I think that the success commercially uh, and even just as like a cult following for that book and that particular trilogy was kind of what launched the expanded universe as we know it now. Um, It really kind of just led us to like, whoa, wait, that happened after the movies? I want to read more about that. It's 12 year old me and 12 year old hopefully everybody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We'll we'll put a pin in that. We're going to get we're going to go back into that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay. Well, just so so I will say that like nothing I say, like, I mean, I, I find him to be somewhat untouchable. But um, I mean, there's there's always things you can critique. That's why we love being nerds. Yes. <laughs> That's well, why course. we love being yeah, nerds. You can always yeah rip it apart. I yeah. will say one thing that I did love about this book and the structure of it was for me, basically, it was Sherlock Holmes in space. Oh, my God. Thank you. OK, I was going to talk about that when I'm we get sorry. to the characters. I'm sorry. OK, oh, okay. just that structure. Yes. We will talk about okay. it more. Wait, I, just... I was going to say, let's oh. actually let's transition into characters then. Yes. Um, we're not going to get into much more of the writing because, again, we really don't want to say <laughs> we're we're really biased. We don't want to say anything too bad about Timothy Zahn because yeah. we love him and we're, we're all thankful marks for, for him. Star Wars and Timothy Zahn. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, here's the thing, Amanda. I felt the exact same freaking way. It, yes, it's right. It is Star Wars in space. <laughs> it is Star Wars in space. Uh, uh, Sherlock in space. Uh, yes, it is Sherlock it's in Star been, Wars space. It's been, <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm your host. I'm the knowledgeable one that holds this all together. No, I'm the goddamn glue. <laughs> we're just barely propping ourselves up for this. Bear it's with us, late. Folks. You know what? It's late it is while late. we're recording this. Don't yeah. say what time it is, but it is. It's late. You know, it's later up here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what? I'm a runner. I get up early and I run miles. She does, guys. She really mornings. does. Man is a runner, too. Mm-hmm. Scott runs to the fridge for beer. Yep, that, yep. Mm-hmm. So he is also <laughs> a fine. runner. You should probably say not in the morning, though. That's just... Well, uh, how much, okay, you said you read yeah. this book camping. Is this truth telling? Yeah, you camping and drinking and reading? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I read this book without beer in my system. Maybe. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Well, right. I think we all, I think all readers read while they're a little inebriated a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Drunk you on it. good books. Drunk on Oh, it's great. So this is Sherlock. This is totally Sherlock. Uh, Amanda, what about these characters made it Sherlockian to okay. us? So, it's okay, Thrawn is obviously Sherlock. He's head and shoulders ahead of everybody else. Yes. Um, he's just great at deduction, as um, I think I heard, was it Mark Gaddis, um, at some point when talking about, <laughs> you know, the wonderful uh, Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. And, yeah. And all them that uh, that he's just really good at guessing. That's the same thing. It's it's like his the, there's more RAM in his head. Yeah. For pulling down uh, information. Deduction. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um. So he's he is Sherlock. But the thing that makes him Sherlock is also because in this book he has a Watson. 
He yes. has a foil. Somebody whom uh, can be the audience's advocate can also not know exactly what's going on. And he's kind of fuddy in comparison yes. to the Sherlock. The, yeah, and this guy, is his name is, again, I hope we are okay with my pronunciation, Eli Vanto. And he meets him at the beginning of the book when they're both similarly kind of nobodies in the Imperial Navy. And then they kind of progress from there. Um, and he's with him throughout the whole thing. Um, and his character really kind of grows to much the same way that Watson does. Clearly Thrawn, like Sherlock, sees something in <laughs> the Vanto Watson. There's a potential there. There's a problem solving. There's a critical thinking um just raw material in there um, that he knows he can help develop. And and that is actually how it goes along. So you never really feel that Vanto is stupid. Um, you never feel like he's just not getting it the way that you might. In... He sometimes feels that way. He and feels so that way, Watson which again sometimes. makes him so relatable. And that's, yeah. that's Watson too, because the thing is you're not dealing with a regular human mind. In this case, you're not even <laughs> dealing with a regular chiss mind. <laughs> right. You know, you're dealing with a genius among geniuses. Um, so it's okay to feel a little out of your depth, but he also starts making really good guesses and he starts reading between the lines in a way that's helpful to Thrawn and it's helpful to I think pull the book forward mm -hmm. Scott so did you see that did you see the Sherlock I did when I was reading it but as soon as you said it I am, I immediately agree with you. Like, I don't think, like, we're, like, incredibly, like, oh, my God, we're so smart for saying that. Smart. Like, but there's no way he even knew he was doing it. That that's why there's a book podcast going on here, people, because we read a lot and we mm -hmm. see this stuff. And I think that's really cool that you saw it, too. Absolutely. Is there Moriarty? Oh, there is. There is. Um... And I don't want to give anything away there, but just the no uh, spoilers. But there is a Moriarty. But there is there is a Moriarty, and it's um I think in its own way ever, but as complicated as the Sherlock Moriarty dynamic is in in the classics. Yes, I agree. Um, I think just all all of that, and and the fact that he's also an outsider, and Thrawn is also basically you know in in the in that same Sherlock, which is sort of my new standard for Sherlock, although by yeah. no means the only wonderful Sherlock in the world. Yeah. Um, they, they present him very love clearly. Love Basil Rathbone. <laughs> love that man. Love Jeremy Brad. Matinee Idol. Ugh. You know, I think there's something to be said for Robert Downey Jr. Oh, and the, uh, now. I the original book's pretty good, too. Yeah, it's I, not bad. That guy know. had a good idea. Co That's Conan cool. someone? Conan? Sir Artie Conan? We're kidding. We know exactly who he is. We know he we is. Love He's him. great. What? Was there a Mycroft? Um, I think that the it, you think it there's like multiple depends Mycroft. on how you read Mycroft because there are there are many different versions of how Mycroft kind of gets interpreted, um, especially through popular culture nowadays. I, I think you can argue that he's in there in the form of several um, admirals and and whatnot, high ranking military and uh, high ranking civilians who kind of help Thrawn along on his path. Um, and 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 occasionally, you know, try and calm him down and get him to not go along with whatever his crazy idea is. I, I think it's arguable, but I don't think there's one individual who serves that purpose. So, I mean, I have to say, like, I'm I'm st I'm sitting over here, my my jaw agape because it's <laughs> he really just, is. It's a gape. It's, it's a gape. It, it had to have been intentional. What I yeah. mean, it had to be. But I still. The, the the problem I had with Thrawn in this book is that if this if, with Thrawn in well, this yes. Sorry, let it out. Sherlock, his personal life is a shambles. He has a drug addiction. He's he's a mess outside of being Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. Thrawn didn't have really any 
flaws, with the exception uh-huh. of he didn't understand politics. Right, which I, I think kind of ties in a little bit again uh, yeah, with I that think... sociopath thing. Is like he he doesn't get the social cues. I mean, he like you said before, he's reading um, certain you know facial tics and things like that, but he's putting together the way that a computer would put it together. There's no emotional component behind it. So without the emotional component, there's you're right. There's no chaos kind of existing the rest of his life, and his military tactics or whatever it don't in the same way um, sort of narrow the focus of, of of his life and of his his mental acuity. Um, but on the other hand, I, I would say, and I wish that as far as the structure of the book goes, I wish we had had a little bit of pre-imperial chiss information because <laughs> obviously, um, not a spoiler alert, this is what happens in the first couple chapters. We find out that he's here in imperial space because he was exiled from his entire species. So I think to suggest that there's probably something really fucked up about him um is it too far afield even though it's something something about him there's something about him that clearly put him outside of what the chiss were willing to deal with right so i i think if we had balanced it a little bit more towards that if we had maybe made there be a little bit more about that coldness being being part of a problem well yeah i could have pulled it in i agree i mean i think that part of generally what makes any character lovable and he doesn't quite fit this mold is that they're flawed um we don't really see like a whole lot of like flaws from thrawn ever in books i mean like oh he also loves art i forgot to mention that he's an art aficionado because he thinks that's how you learn about a culture about a species of people is through their art well in the in his original trilogy thrawn's fatal flaw was pride well, yeah, to a to a huge fault. Whenever he lost, it was because of his pride. Mm-hmm. He didn't just he wasn't just thinking five steps ahead. He just assumed he would always win because he was always five steps ahead. In this book, he 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 understood. Oh well, you know things might not go exactly to plan and. The way you improvise is really mm-hmm. what he didn't have that that flaw in this book. I didn't feel he was just so perfect. And and when you when you referred to oh Thrawn, it rhymes with Zon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you familiar with the phrase Mary Sue or the 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 type of character a Mary Sue or a Marty Stew? <laughs> no. Uh, it's <laughs> not either. Is that a male and female version? It's typically used in fan fiction uh, okay. terms. It is a character put in there by the author. It's an idealized fictional character often recognized as an author's wish fulfillment. Okay. Oh. In this book, mm-hmm. Thrawn. Okay. He always felt to me um, in the expanded universe or legends or whatever they call it. He kind of always like, you know, went back and forth for me as being kind of a little bit too perfect. But mm-hmm. he still always had that that prideful, right, evil, um, negative side. Mm-hmm. With all of that lost in this book, to me, I, I feel he went full Marty Stew. 
I, I think mm. you're I think you're right. I, th- right. I, I think, too, that one of the reasons maybe that doesn't come forward as much for me in the originals as it does in this one is because in the originals, he's up against I'll say it again, our intrepid heroes. He's up against <laughs> the Skywalkers, the Solos, <laughs> the Organos of the world, <laughs> the Chewbacca. Um, like, you know, <laughs> you know, who's going to come out on top of that. So you can't really ever see him as flawless because ultimately you know he's he's not going to rule the galaxy so it's true so i i think probably to that end when i read it i wasn't I wasn't too concerned of course i was probably about 12 i was not too <laughs> concerned with exactly she's you know, reread them since does, then what is but his the first pain time. yeah um but now but now i think thinking about it like, yeah that is it now granted that doesn't necessarily kill my enjoyment of the book but i think that you're right i think that's exactly what it is and i think that fantasy itself particularly lends itself to that a great deal and i think that's a little bit of almost like Zon as Zon as the writer giving us a little fan service too maybe because he knows how much we all love Thrawn Mm -hmm. so he's like I'm not gonna like burden him down with a whole bunch of negative stuff because I know you guys love him I'm not not gonna bring him down like that I, I think that's fair too um I mean, obviously, like, you could write an entire dissertation about Thrawn and how <laughs> rad he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Tie-ins to popular culture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah. Uh, what about some other characters that we got going on here? We kind of talked about Vanto a little bit. A little I don't think bit. we talked about where he he's comes not, from. Like, he's, not cra- he's not crazy interesting, to be honest. He's not. The, the thing I liked about him is that he's a bit of a hayseed. He's also an outsider the way that Thrawn is, which I think is one of the things Thrawn picks up also on immediately. From, like, not as like deep, deep out as the yeah. Chiss, but he's also from the kind of the unknown regions. Yeah, if you kind of think of it as the Wild West, they're, they're way out into the prairie lands. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's just not a whole lot of communication back to you know, their version of civilization. And so those people are seen as somehow His lesser family than. His does, like, shipping. His family does shipping. So, I mean, they're they're legitimate folks on their own level. But Speaking of shipping. <laughs> oh, good night. Oh, I know where this is going. I think we all know where this you is want going. There to be, you want there to be a Vantos Thrawn romance? They're perfect together. They're perfect. Are they? They're, they're perfect. I think, I think I think Vantos can do better for somebody a little bit more emotionally available for him. I think so too, and um, <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like it needs to be a marriage of equals there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, for whatever uh, it's worth, I think if Thrawn shows affection to anyone or anything at all in the universe in this book, or or pretty much in any of the books it's to vanto i agree well, and then he arguably keeps... later on to another officer but um, yeah but yeah he um thrawn's definitely big on keeping his word about things mm-hmm. and he sees a lot of value in vantos which is cool mm-hmm. um this is kind of both character and writing really briefly scott just give us the briefest synopses of the subplot that is going on in this book it's not all thrown all the time people. no it's not there's actually a big section of it devoted to something else are you referring to orinda price yes tell it tell us who is orinda price uh what the hell is she doing in this thrawn book well first of all i don't know but uh <laughs> <laughs> orinda um, price that's to the yeah. Yeah. That's to the ladder. owns a mining company that gets taken over by the empire so she goes on this personal mission to become as powerful as possible 
Um, yeah. And she goes through a couple of dips and a couple of climbs until finally she gets... No spoilers. Well, yeah, I mean, she, she, you know, she's, she's trying to, to basically become big again. With now, that, and in yeah. case you're, in case you're wondering what that has to do with Thrawn, that's a really good question. <laughs> I was waiting for there to be some big binding factor. I don't think this is a spoiler. Maybe it is. Um, I mean, like, she's not a chiss or something, like, in disguise. <laughs> there, there's no payoff. Yeah, yeah. She's is no... this a spoiler? I no. think we're spoiling. No. It could be. A, I mean, I get it's, nah. it's less of a spoiler and more of a... Oh. Be prepared. Yeah, just, you should be prepared. Yeah. Like, you have to... If you're going to appreciate her, you need to appreciate her for her own story and her own arc, which does intersect with Thrawn and maybe has a larger thematic tie-in. Well, she's a cool female character. She totally is. And I she actually does. think she's probably the best written character in the book. Okay, that's cool. Uh, she, mm-hmm. She's... I felt that she's very... She has a journey. Mm-hmm. She is... She has a lot of depth. She goes places you wouldn't expect her to, mm-hmm. but is not out of character. Yeah, I, I do think, she, like I say, she is, she is fully fleshed out. She's not just a foil to Thrawn the way that Vanto is. And, and so many other, other characters, which are sometimes excellent, are, are quite ancillary. And she really does have a journey that she goes on that that is remarkable and it's different than most anyone you're going to get in a lot of fantasy but certainly in Star Wars. She's not a throwaway character by any means. No. Um she's just kind of hella random though. Kind of I, like I, there's a book she's the star of well, and yes. there's a book Thorn's the thorn through <laughs> you're spreading. Thrawn is the star of and they're they're in the same jacket. <laughs> I it, see that that's a, what I was thinking. Really, about halfway through the book, and then my opinions did not change, is I would have been happy to read a book that more fleshed out her character, went into more granular detail of the decisions that she makes and the path that she takes, because I thought she was a really good character. And her story was was something that, to my recollection, hasn't really been told in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm before not i think she deserved her own book and i don't think she really had any place (laughs) in this book and thrawn had no right to be in her book by by that (laughs) same coin i will i would almost argue that it makes sense um for thrawn to be in her book because of their interactions they 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 do um move things along a little bit when when he and she intersect but right it's not like totally totally random no it's not but it makes sense for thrawn to make cameos in arinda's book it doesn't necessarily make sense for arinda to have a lead story in thrawn's book so i think we're all on the same page with that i think we can maybe look forward maybe he's kind of testing the waters with this one timothy is to see like um do you guys like Arinda? Do you want more of her? Um, you know, I want to maybe put this character out there to be used in, say, a movie or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I think she's valuable. She or she has a lot of potential value. Um, other characters in the book. Well, there's um, there's a certain emperor. Emperor, yes, Emperor Palpy. 
Right. <laughs> Palpatine. Palpatine. Yeah, that's, I think, <laughs> he doesn't do much in Star Wars, but, no. uh, yeah. I, I touched on this a little bit earlier. I thought that his writing of the Emperor was outstanding. As did yeah. I. I actually think it was the best writing of the Emperor I've, I've As ever did read. I. And I. And I would say further, with Timothy Zahn, with all of his, um, all of his characters that were from just original canon from the original mm-hmm. three movies, I do feel that he writes those characters like they just stepped off the screen and into his book. Yeah. Not all writers can capture them that way. Yeah. Um. So, so I think that's a huge strength of his. So you're right. So when we do run into recognizable characters like the Emperor, it's very satisfying because that's exactly the way he was. You know, with that part in the movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he writes the droids real well too. Which he does. I love the droids so. He does. He writes C-3PO particularly (laughs) excellently. I do urge you to go back and find those reference points, people at home. Yes, I agree. Well, there are are other characters in the book, obviously, and some of them very big. They're in many, many scenes. But the rest of them are are so... I mean, even those characters end up coming off as so ancillary. There's Mm -hmm. no background. There's no history. There's no description. There's really... Not much of a character other than they like Thrawn or dislike Thrawn. <laughs> How do you feel about Grand Admiral Thrawn? Not that he's Grand Admiral at that point. <laughs> no, not yet. But they're either they're either in his court or not in his court, and that's really all the character development that those characters are given. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, and that's not like Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. That's why I was. I wonder how much of it may have to do with limitations that he has because this is becoming a Disney canon book. With the license. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. It's so, also yeah. Go ahead. Oh, is this a Disney canon book? That's a very good question. I... I'm unclear about that. I had heard that it was. So did I. I you know what I think that the bigger thing is that I believe Thrawn is canon now, whether or not this particular piece of his story is i i'm not sure because well, right, he's in cons- rebels yes yeah. rebels is considered mm-hmm. canon right he is in rebels um from what i understand rebels takes place his appearance in rebels takes place pretty much immediately after the book mm. uh so there's i would say that the book is canon aftermath is considered canon uh all, th- those books are considered canon so life debt is considered yeah. canon yeah i would say this I is considered so. canon right and i and i think i agree like i think it's a little column a a little column b with what you're both saying here where it's like there's like the character is stuff about the character no doubt is but not everything's gonna be if they ever use him in a movie it's not gonna be like necessarily verbatim this stuff mm-hmm. from the books so yeah i think it's a it's michael mushy yeah well the book was written to not there's nothing in this book that's going to counteract anything that happens in any future property it's very harmless like we said before it takes place so many so many chapters before um anything yeah that anything that's really going to impact the movies as far as we know yeah um that it's it's kind of like it's just sort of a playground and, and I'll expand on it. that a little bit in my my closing uh-huh. statement on the book too. <laughs> Lovely closing arguments. Um, actually, I was kind of thinking about moving moving into sort of our closing the chapter of talking about this book. Um, then we're gonna take a little break, 
and come back with what would normally be our like full on spoiler sections where we really nerd rage about things. But instead, what we're going to do tonight is we're <laughs> we're just going to kind of have a, a gushy, disgusting uh, fandom conversation about Star Wars, especially as uh, it pertains to books. The so, Legends brand, specifically mm-hmm. the extended universe. So, and whatever the hell else, of spoilers yeah. for that if you haven't, you know, yeah. been involved. But there's yeah. a lot of books, so. and whatever the hell else we want to say about Star Wars, because this what is else? like yeah. you guys. Think this is our it, show. Yeah, think of it as like like the Halloween special, like. I don't want to say Christmas special. So it's like the <laughs> Halloween special, like where we're just gonna we're just gonna trash bag, trash can fan ourselves about Star Wars in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So some uh, Amanda, why don't you lead us into grade? Let's say I'm gonna say because it's Star Wars. How many stars would you Ooh. give this out of five? I'm really clever. Like I'm so goddamn going. clever. And then also, um, just any other sort of, you know, your thoughts. Okay. I, I just, yeah, I'm going to let you go first because I have to think of how my letter grade <laughs> then converts into stars. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're going to need a scientific calculator for that. Carry the one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can we just call him carry the one now? Um, I, I, well, I think... Okay, as, as with any good discussion, I, I think your opinion can kind of change because your perspective can kind of change. So I'm not going to worry too much about equating my first score with my last <laughs> score. I will say I'm going to probably, for me, this is going to come in somewhere around 3.75 stars. <laughs> like, I want to give it four what? stars. I'm sorry, is this Star so, Search? So, so a B plus? Yeah. A B plus? Yeah, I <laughs> guess so. On, remember on I guess Star we'll Search, it used to be like that. It used to be like... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I can't. Yeah, it always <laughs> kind of irritated me, even as a small child, that the juniors always got another set of applause. It's like, you know what? They know they're coming home. They're professionals. Let's it, do this. You know what, Ed McMahon? Yeah, can we just round that yeah. shit off. Yeah. Let's just let's take the sugar coat and run off. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's important. Let's put it out there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say it's almost a four star for me. I think, unfortunately, I do have like a really high bar that I set for Timothy Zahn, which is probably not fair. <laughs> right. Um, because there's a little bit of it that's shrouded in the mist of my memory of sort of my formative years. Um, I think for me personally, it would be interesting to hear feedback from people who either don't have Timothy Zahn XP or don't have um, a history of reading all of these Star Wars expanded novels, particularly, um, you know, prequels and things like that, just to see how, you know, they think that the interactions with characters that we know, um, you know, went and things like that. Like, did it? Did they weigh in nicely? Um, were they just there to sort of wave at the Star Wars universe and make sure we know <laughs> we're still in the same world as the movies um, or what? So it's like that kind of stuff, um, I guess, kind of. <laughs> the questions in that sort of Hello, set it apart for me. Over here, I'm the Emperor. You're still in Star Wars. <laughs> in case you thought you were lost, I'm like your little signpost. Right. And it's the Imperial Navy. I brought some of my buddies with me. Come on. Was that just a stormtrooper I saw go by? Sure was. <laughs> Looks familiar. Very precise shooting. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, I so yeah, I would say it's it's really it's really worth the read. I think for anybody who likes science fiction and Star Wars, but I'm not gonna say it's um it's on my must top five list at this point for Star Wars. Scott, well, uh, as I said at the beginning, I did enjoy reading it, but I'm gonna have to give this book two and a half stars. Yeah, oh, okay. right down the middle. Um, 
I I felt the characters they, they never felt like they were in danger. Um, even when they made mistakes, uh, Zon didn't make any effort to show uh, the negative effects of those actions that were made. Um, I felt that the side plot with with Price, while it was while Price was a great character, was completely superfluous. Big word. Was completely <laughs> superfluous. Sounded out. Got yeah. all the way through it. It's good. <laughs> it was completely superfluous to the actual plot of the book. Um, throughout the entire book, they tease connections, deeper connections with with the universe and with mm-hmm. history and background with all these characters, and they never deliver on any of them. Um, and ultimately, as I kind of said earlier um a lot of the plot and story was very safe so as not to step on any you know past or future uh story for star wars um it didn't serve really much of a purpose in expanding the universe um other than paying fan service to probably the most favorite character in all the ex- Star Wars expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I really agree with you guys. I think we're saying a lot of the same things. Um, I mean, I'd probably rate it like a three and a half um, out of five stars. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I-, I was happy, even though this wasn't the Thrawn book that I wanted, I'm happy that I got it. Like, I'm happy that I got a Thrawn book and... Um, you know, like it's got a cool cover and stuff. It's just like his big old blue head on there. <laughs> and you know, it it is I agree. It's just kind of like a nice maybe just lip service for the fans. Maybe not. Maybe maybe something more could come from this in future movies or whatever. Um, it wasn't my most favorite thing that he's ever written in the Star Wars canon, but I was still very happy with it. I enjoyed it. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Okay, guys. So go take a little stretch break. Pause. Pause the the podcast. Get something to drink. And prepare yourselves for discussing discussion <laughs> of oozy, oozy fandom goodness of Star Wars. Welcome back. We are back. Let's talk about Star Wars some more. All right. So this is going to be a little bit more of an open forum about our love of Star Wars, particularly books, because I think it goes without saying that we all love the movies, but we can talk a little bit about the movie stuff. Um, I definitely want to if people have stuff they want to uh, put in. But let's just talk about the books a little bit in general so amongst ourselves the three of us have had this discussion about the importance of the star wars books in our lives 
and for fans that we had something to cling to because they're like we're you know we're not spring chickens here we're all in our 30s actually i don't know are we like summer chickens yeah i think so i want to be a halloween chicken you can be i always want to be a halloween chicken you're an autumn chicken i'm an autumn chicken but anyway i digress the books kept us going in all of that time period where there was not movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long dearth, people. And we're not going to include things like, I think, the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, I think that there <laughs> well, those are, are actually a little before our time, to be fair. But To yeah. be fair, that's yeah. true. However, we also did experience, you know, the Ewoks movies, which do honestly have a place in my heart. Oh, God, they yes. Count. They count. They, they count. count. We're making them count. Okay. okay. They count. I'm down. I'm down. Sindel is my like spirit Sandal. animal. Oh yeah. Sindel. Sindel. So cute. Plus the Quaker Oats guy. Yes, the Quaker Oats guy's <laughs> in there. Um. Okay. Well, let's not go on off on a huge tangent about the Ewoks movies, but no. we love them. Um. Sure. I mean, where do you even begin with the books? Because I know Amanda and I. Uh. Oh, Amanda's my sister. Uh. BT Dubs. Um. <laughs> Guilty. We grew up with Star Wars books, literally, like Star Wars pop-up books. Oh, yeah. And books that we listened to on a cassette. Yes, while with you, a read-along. With a read-along. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Scott, did you have those really early <laughs> childhood Star Wars books? Well, this is actually the embarrassing thing for me. The first time I was ever introduced to oh. Star Wars, I was 14 years old. It's all right. That's yeah. okay. That's no, that's right. okay. And it wasn't even a movie. It was The Crystal Star, which is a book. Oh. Admittedly, not one of the best Star Wars books. No. But, but after that, I saw Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I did everything backwards. A man, so a man and people. I had the benefit of having parents that were, I mean, they weren't like, you know, diehards or anything. They weren't cosplaying before that was a thing. But they were Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. And so we grew up definitely with all the Star Wars things that were available at the time. Absolutely. And, and I would say also, Scott, that I think there are a lot of people who come to Star Wars that way because it is or such... later. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying, though, is because it, it's so tied into popular culture in ways that you don't even think about anymore necessarily kind of where it comes from. Uh, so so kind of coming to it a little bit older and, and um, in a little bit backwards in its chronology, I, I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. I have a weird... Maybe this is not a thing, but was it at the end of the tapes, it was always C-3PO saying to turn the tape over? I know in the one that we played until it, like, never <laughs> would play again. It was him. Um, it was definitely him. I believe he was narrating it with, with uh, R2-D2 putting in his yeah. two cents here and there. Like as he, he does. His want to do. Um, I don't even think we watched the movies, read the books, or listened to the audiobooks in order. Like, I think we just no. jumped around however we wanted. I'm pretty sure. I mean, okay, it's entirely possible that when we were very little kids, the, they were just playing in the background a lot. But um, I'm pretty sure that Return of the Jedi was the first Star Wars movie that I ever saw. And I do remember it being, I mean, it's also just as a, this is my admittance of everything in the world of Star Wars. It is my favorite piece of any story. And I know that most people who are Star Wars fans take extreme umbrage with that. But no, for me, that's that's it. That's where my heart lives <laughs> is on Endor right there. <laughs> Smoldering ruin of the second Death Star. 
highlighting this guy. Um, but uh, so so anyway, so but I think that that's so for me too. That's kind of where my gushy center is, and it's not necessarily yours. But as far as like that's that's always kind of my touchstone back to kind of how I felt watching that. Yeah, that's how that's kind of the the watermark by which i judge all other pieces of star wars or really any kind of franchise that i ever got into by yeah so so what books live up to that to you well okay you? so on a level well, it's untouchable right right but but yeah. among my favorites honestly um probably the tip of the top the cream of the crop <laughs> the mary poppins and here i'll stop and you can tell I'm I'm a I'm a romantic soul is the courtship of Princess Leia. Oh, I knew it. Now a big part of that is because like oh my god, finally had it, Leia. Yeah. But honestly, a huge part of that though too is the Dath Mirian. I was gonna witches, say the damn witches, right? And I mean yes. we've already said there's spoiler alerts all over the place. And oh, I, this ha- this the second half of the show is always I mean, spoiler. It's not even canon just, anymore. It, it's not. No, it's, it's not it doesn't. It's matter. not. However, the Dath Mirian witches are canon. It's just that you know I, the. the yes. This particular story is it or whatever i guess <laughs> i guess it's not um but uh the way that that one is structured and tied into kind of the whimsy of uh like the 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 lighter parts i guess of the star wars franchise for me it just just so perfectly touched on all of that um so for for me the top one is dave wolverton i hope i just said that right dave wolverton's um the courtship of princess leia um I think I should also say, almost as a disclaimer here, we like we might talk about things pre Disney ownership and post Disney ownership, but don't get it twisted. We really do love both. We all three are big Disney fans. Um so and I don't think we need to get into that. Like, can we just say no. it's different? Post Disney, pre Disney is different. Yeah, I, I don't think it's worth arguing about. Everybody's gonna have an opinion on it. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, every single movie that comes out in this franchise is different. Yes. You know, that's one of the things with the difference between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back was one of those let's change the paradigm for how sequels work uh, kind of things. So, I mean, and just the prequels, so, it's different yeah, so, than the well, prequels. Right? I, think, I think there's a pretty distinct difference between between those ones and, and the prequels. Um, but I mean, obviously, we could go into that, too. But um, we're not going to we're not here yeah. to hate on the prequels. Let's just let's just like all hold hands mm-hmm. and sing Kumbaya and just we just love everything that is Star Wars, even the things that suck we still love them because they're star wars well and you know and i will say too to to the um the credit of the prequels now i watched obviously the original movies long before the prequels came about and loved the original so much and was it definitely at that kind of young adult part of my life when the prequels came out that yes i wanted to love it and i did love big parts of it but there were also parts of it that i found so um uncomfortably different than my expectations that that we called shenanigans yeah exactly that just so it's always kind of colored my thought process and i think probably a lot of people out there are with me on that colored my thought process on how uh good or bad (laughs) those (laughs) movies were and then the thing is in my particular job i work with a lot of people who are about 15 16 years younger than i am and so they grew up with the prequels as kind of their standard for star wars and a lot of them really love them haven't necessarily even seen the original movies but saw something exciting and fun and and escapist and interesting and 
bigger and larger, you know, it in has, life. It all has a place. Exactly. It's, so it's all like, love. So I think that you have to kind of get out of your own, like, nerdy ego sometimes, <laughs> some of us. At least this was my experience. Yeah. Be like, you know what? There's value here, too. Even if it wasn't, it didn't hit my cylinders. Yeah. It, 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 it's still good and it's still part of the same story like we're all family it's all fam i agree and like because we could i mean we could spend a whole a series of podcasts this could be like we just talk about star wars podcasts which isn't necessarily a bad idea yeah, I mean, i'm sure there are um, none of those out there. i'm sure no exactly but um it's just it, it's just all love Mm-hmm. It's just all love. We're just going to talk about how much we love it. Yeah. I want to keep this a little bit more positive instead of talking about, like, I hated this thing about Star Wars. No, for like, sure. Like, I don't hate anything at Star Wars. No, me neither. I Get out of this Star- room. That's what He's I say. Wrong. That's all I have to say. It's kind of like Mufasa to Simba. You know, everything the light touches is Star Wars. <laughs> and and it's all characters that you shall <laughs> Exactly. Um, so that's kind of your favorite. This is a fun thing. I like doing this. Um, Scott, what is your favorite Star Wars book or um, trilogy or, or series of Star Wars if you can't pick just one? Well, I think my favorite would have to be Heir to the Empire, the, mm-hmm. the first that created the extended universe. It's Boom. beautifully written. It's, it's wonderfully done. And it, and it truly brings to life the characters and their new motivations after the original trilogy. But um, the, the series of books that meant the most to me, and I, and I didn't read all of them, but was the, um, I can never, is it, is it the young Jedi Knights oh, or is it or is that's, it the, I'm going to talk about the, the young Jedi Knights. Yeah. When they're teenagers in training, that's the young Jedi Knights. It's yeah. We're going to talk about that. Cause brilliant. that's, yeah, we got to go in there. Um, let's okay. Well, let's just jump right in because, um, it's kind of my favorite. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, can I just say it ties very heavily into events that happened in the courtship of Princess Leia. Right before we talk about young Jedi Knights, cause we all have some stuff to say about that. Mm-hmm. Before, okay, so before even that, since I was even littler, I was part of the Junior Jedi Knights <laughs> books, yes, uh, which was by Rebecca Mosta and Nancy Richardson. Rebecca Mosta wrote the Young Jedi Knight series with Kevin J. Anderson that um, they're married. Yeah, and that's our cat wailing in the background. Ignore her. She's fine. <laughs> um... Okay, so the young Je- so the junior Jedi Knights is about little eleven year old Anakin Solo <laughs> off to training and adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has my favorite character was his little BFF. Um, her name was Tahiri. Ah, uh, yes. She was raised by sand people. She was. <laughs> Luke um, had to go and get her. Yeah, so cute. And uh, something that. I didn't really know until later in life because Tahiri and I kind of lost touch after a while. Happens. She went on to be in a lot of other Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I think she may have. And covered, she goes yeah. dark, and uh, Darth Cadius ended up being uh, one of her like masters. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of of kind of weaving in and out of some of those characters like that. Pretty much any anytime someone's young, you can <laughs> see a certain amount of, oh, okay, this is probably a precursor to another character, but that's okay. Those yeah. books, though, were so wonderful to me as, like, a little, little kid like that. Like, I was probably, like, 10 or so, like, 
Yeah, it was right in there, right age appropriate. And it was just so cool. And Uncle Luke is there. I mean, they're really pretty silly, you know, kind of goofy books. But, um, But, I mean, they had peril and adventure and stuff. Just, like, how freaking cool is that? That, like, in the 90s, the early 90s, they were like, let's make sure the kids have something. Because I'm so happy for, like, we have nieces and nephews and stuff for the kids today. Because they have just an endless amount of Star Wars stuff. There's cookbooks. There's the wonderful... um, books by what's his name jeffrey brown like all those cute little books and now he has a series oh so great i mean so great and talk about someone who's clearly such a star wars fan yeah just speaks to the kid and all of us before we get talking about those young jedi knights scott you look like you wanted to um say something about darth cadius oh just no it (laughs) (laughs) um the one thing that disney did well oh whoa whoa what no no they I'm just saying okay. that the, they definitely brought, if if nothing else, they brought one thing over from the expanded universe, and that is uh, Luke sucks at training Jedi. <laughs> they all go dark eventually. They all go dark eventually. He okay. sucks at training Jedi. Can I say that there is some part of me that does want to disavow certain things that happen with certain solo children later on in their lives? I do find that perhaps we've gone pretty far afield. We don't um, have all the information. Point. We don't. I so you know for that it just I've never really connected to it. So I I, I would argue about that. However, I I think that they definitely decided to run with that. That. Maybe Luke's skill set lie elsewhere. <laughs> um, by the way, in case it's not obvious, Amanda is huge Luke Skywalker fan. That yeah. is her favorite Star Wars character. I know this about her. Um, I mean, basically, I don't think Luke's ever done anything wrong, in your opinion. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Never. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, just the idea is preposterous. I mean, he did lose his hand. So I can't well, say he's perfect to, to everything, to learn. but that's just a family thing. <laughs> yeah, but he has a robot hand. That's better than a regular it's hand. Pretty it's pretty badass. It's true, and it looks all fleshy. Scott, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Do you have one? Oh. I know it's hard to pick It's favorites. hard, I know, because it's like all of them all the time. I don't, but... I, I don't usually pick... It's Han Solo. <laughs> of course it's Han Solo. Every guy's favorite character is Han Solo. Maybe Darth Vader if they're lying, but it's hard. It's, it's Han Solo. <laughs> Liar. We're talking about wish fulfillment earlier. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're you're accurate on that one. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I have what some would deem a controversial favorite character. Go on. Which is Darth Maul. Darth Maul is everything to me. I freaking love Darth Maul. I love him with his spider body. <laughs> like, I I don't that care. Happens sometimes. I think, like, when I saw him again, I was young, like, when the first move, well, you know, you guys know what I mean. Yeah, when, when Phantom Menace came, came out. Yeah, you were, when you Phantom were, Menace came out. You're about the right age. For, I mean, not to say there's really a right age, but you were kind of at the zeroed-in demographic for yeah, that Yeah, where I could out. be very forgiving about a lot of things in those movies. Um, but I loved him. He gave me that thrilling excitement, just like when I was a little kid watching Star Wars. Um, I loved the makeup. Uh, well, of course, I love Ray Park. He does an amazing, amazing. portrayal. Um, and he's got, like, three great lines. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, and it's not 
too surprising since we all know that I am a huge, huge horror fanatic. Um, <laughs> that's an understatement of the century. And he's pretty um, horrifying looking. He is. As far as any of the characters, really, that at least come to mind. Hey, and, and Dathomir. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 Liz is a Brock. But he's from Dathomir. Particularly given the time. I mean, when Star Wars came out, the, the scariest thing that you could possibly put on screen is someone dressed all in black wearing a mask surrounded by Nazis. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, speaking of that individual, also. that's like my, that's my second favorite character probably is Darth Vader. But um, Ewoks are big for <laughs> me. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I guess, I get, well, hmm, Wicket is probably a close second yeah. for me. He's plucky. Yeah. I also am huge, huge into the droids. Oh my, well, yeah, I mean, you can't really even, you can't even really. <laughs> Especially C-3PO. Separate out there. Well, okay, and can can we just talk about this for a minute? Can we please, on my soapbox for a minute? Everybody talks about how great R2-D2 <laughs> is, and I think that came from him being something of an underdog and sort of a cult favorite for He's a long time. Cute. He's very cute, and I love him. Nothing but love for that little munchkin. But honestly, we would have no idea what he was saying without <laughs> C-3PO. Like, without him being <laughs> being the other part of that beautiful, beautiful, perfect union. <laughs> I agree. Like, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get as much fun out of, out of R2-D2. I mean, he's great on... on da or <laughs> Death of I, I'm in that that mode right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's great on Dagobah, um, with just Luke. <laughs> Does some of his best work. On yeah, Dagobah. but but honestly, because I, I think because of how we laid out like who this little character is and how he communicates via C3PO in that first movie. Just saying. I'm sorry, I, I can't I can't help from seeing. Please stop. Please stop hitting me. Oh, oh my, my God. Everybody's seen that, right? The <laughs> seagull song. The oh, yeah. From uh, uh, Bad Lip, lip Reading. Yeah. You look it up oh, on YouTube guys, if you haven't seen it, you do guys. It. You that, don't, they're all good. That's the best one. Yeah. Though. You don't have to be a Star Wars fan to enjoy that one. Although the bigger fan you are of The Empire Strikes Back, the more you'll get out of it. it it's a joy. <laughs> I, I particularly love C-3PO. Um, also, because he's the patron saint of worry warts. That's the truth. I love him. And I I love BB-8 as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, just, you know, there's been times where George Lucas has said that the movies, his movies, were through the eyes of the droids. And I don't know if that's true He's or not. He's so revisionist, though. <laughs> well, I would say, though, that, that, that A New Hope does begin that way. We are following C-3PO very specifically. Like, yeah. he, he glimpses R2 with the Leia thing, and then we go along with him in the desert. We don't follow R2 quite as much. Um you know over here that whole <laughs> like we're following him so i think that i think maybe that was his intention was how he was going to frame the story yeah um i i don't know that that really plays out that way throughout the trilogy but but i, I think there's valid validity yeah validness and, and whether it's Valitude. true or not i think that the droids and now the wonderful little bb-8 mm -hmm. um you know it they are so important they are like linchpins to the star wars stories and they make every book, every movie, everything they're in a little bit better because they're there. Indeed. And and I think they also always draw out um, parts of their human or humanoid characters to the way that they react to them, the way that they uh, 
uh, treat them is is often pretty emblematic of, of how we're supposed to feel about <laughs> yeah exactly the individual Are you a good characters. Guy or a bad guy? How right? do you treat these droids right now? Yeah, did you kick that mouse droid? Did you do it? <laughs> I didn't you, see you do it, but I know you did it. You're a bastard. Which I don't know if you guys knew that. You know, the little ones that they're following around yeah. in, in the Imperial uh, worlds. Those are called mouse droids. It's adorable. You know, I'd love it. Um, I, uh, I'm i way more into the dark side of the Force, personally. And I believe I'm surrounded by two light-siders. We are Jedi. I'm Sith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I'm always much more interested in kind of the, the struggle with how to use the light side and not go over to the dark, like not give in to your wrath and all of that. I, I think that's huge as far as just kind of a human struggle goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the, the tension with that is, is always more interesting to me. Um, we could get into theories of the force, of course. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> um, you know, involving things like, oh, there is no light side, there is no dark side, there is only your choices, or whatever. But of um, course. <laughs> so, so for me, it's, it's hard to even have that conversation without being like, oh, for just but, for like in a fun fandom. But way. Ju- no, fun fandom way. I, again, Luke Skywalker is my favorite. He's the man. I'm sorry, I banged on the table there, people. Yeah. He is. He is extraordinary. I mean, he is. He is. You know. Well, okay, I was going to say he is the uh, the one who brought balance to the force, but of course he isn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm he, sure he that's controversial as well. He brought balance for a short period of time, then he, he messed it all up he again. He brought some balance? <laughs> I don't know that he messed it up. I think that the forces of, of uh, you know, evil intention and, and selfishness are always going to be eating away at the corners of the light <laughs> and will occasionally pull themselves back up center stage. I don't necessarily think that he is the reason... <laughs> why kylo ren went so far off the beaten path we don't know yet we don't know we'll find out soon um it sounds like we're talking about a potluck like what did luke bring he brought a little balance to the force well what what i was gonna say was i I think something that i know we've talked about and i'm sure has been batted around a great deal out in the world he didn't bring uh balance to the force as as qui-gon jinn (laughs) and others prophesized in the in that lovely set of prequels um <laughs> that in fact anakin was the one intended to do so and right. honestly anakin went from being just a rock star light side labor jockey to being basically on level with the worst of the worst on the dark side and in the end what he did was yeah he murdered the emperor but he did it in a a heroic um uh, act of self-sacrifice and to save the one person left in the universe um, who still loved him and hey. whom he could love. So I think yeah. that I think I think there's a lot of really good balance in there. Right. It's kind of like it's a family effort to bring balance. Um, and he was wheezing real hard. <laughs> so that. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was wheezing real hard. Yeah, he got a pretty good electroshock there. Um, yeah, was he old? Oh. He was old. He was, he was old. old. He a really big lightsaber fight. He really did. Um, they don't make them like they used to. No. So let me just come back to that thing I put a pin in earlier. There's like five pins and a lot of things, and I don't remember what they all are. Looks like a pink um, It looks like a pin. Looks like a porcupine. Um, the Young Jedi Knight series. Go on. Which was a book series that was huge for all of us mm-hmm. on this podcast, and Heck I yeah. hope you guys at home. Um, 
So these followed the adventures and trainings of uh, teenagers, Jason and Jaina Solo, um, out at that, that their Jedi school. Mm-hmm. Jaina is the mechanic who's a good pilot type of archetype. Uh, Jason was a softy, kind of a jokester. Yeah. Good with animals. <laughs> um, then we also had Lobaka, yeah. nephew of Chewie. And the wonderful Tenelka, the badass princess warrior from Dathomir. I mean, there was other characters too, but this was like our our core team. Manda, talk to us about this, about young Jedis. Okay, okay. well, and just to refine, in case anybody's not familiar with um, the twins, Jane and Jason, in this particular iteration of how things happened after Return of the Jedi, um, Han and Leia, of course, get married. They have three children. They have the twins, Jason and Jaina, who um, all of their children are very force sensitive and all receive um, certain amounts of Jedi training. Obviously, the young Jedi Knights, they're actually at, at the academy. Um, and then their um, younger brother, I think by about four or five years Anakin who we talked about earlier we talked about earlier um Jaina's gift is really that she got sort of the best of Han Solo with his mechanics foo um the ability to sort of put together problems electronics and things like that so that's kind of how her force powers really start manifesting uh for Jason his thing was animals he can connect with animals talk with them like he's very connected to sort of the natural part of the universe um, at but least, at the it, two, he had the jokes. But he, yeah, he was. She was much more kind of. He's lighthearted. Um, yeah, she was more sort of left brain serious, and he was much more like, "Hey, sis, it's gonna <laughs> be all right," kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, you can see, like, definitely a hero there. Oh, we'll talk about that anyway. Uh, uh, and then Anakin, who doesn't figure very heavily into those books, but Anakin is sort of you kind of see him as being perhaps a little bit more like his grandfather in the, the original Anakin Skywalker in just the level of raw power that he has to begin with. Um, but he's a very good natured little boy. So we don't have any issues <laughs> with that as far as I know in that series. Um, so that's, that's our little, that's our little Organa solo team. Um, and then we have, yeah, like I said, the friends that join in with them who are also obviously Jedis. Um, yeah. It's it's the original Hogwarts. Right? It is. It, it, it really is. is. Mm-hmm. It's the original. It's the original Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. They're just at Jedi school and they're learning their Jedi stuff and they get into hijinks and you know get possessed by force <laughs> demons and Ugh, right. It happens to every youth. Uh huh. And was, yeah, actually, was it the same book where Jaina fixed the Tie Fighter and got possessed by a force demon? Was that the same book? I'm not sure. If that, I, well, I don't think some of so. my lines are a little blurry. Okay, well, because so Jaina, sorry, Jaina uh, receives a hyperdrive, a broken down old hyperdrive from her dad because they both love fixing things and doing all this kind of um, back end sort of machine machinist sort of things. Um, she receives it from him and he only expects her to tinker with it and all that. Well, you know, he forgets that he's got a force sensitive teenager with a very curious mind. So when they're traipsing about on, um, uh, oh my gosh, sorry guys, I am tired. <laughs> Where the, um, Jedi Academy is. Yavin. Um, Yavin. Yavin 4 to be specific, right? right? Yeah. Um, so when they're traipsing about through the jungles there, they find this downed TIE fighter. Um, and it's in pretty bad shape. Now we know, of course, TIE fighters are not long range fighters. They do not, they they're not, hyperdrives. they do not have hyperdrives. However, um, our little Jaina Solo does figure out a way to hook it up. 
question now, is. Now, of course, this is many years after the Battle of Yavin. I'm gonna go with fifteen. Fifteen? No, it, more than that because they're sixteen. Oh, what year so, ABY is it? Yeah, what I don't know. At least it's twenty. Probably, it's probably twenty ABY. Yeah, yeah I twenty. Think it says it, I think it's somewhere between twenty and twenty-five. I think I'm like sure. on the back of the. Like at least the first book, I think it says. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But so, so it's been a while, and we find that the pilot is actually still alive and has been kind of watching these kids that's as they right. sort of monkeying yes. around on this this spaceship oh, that they find. They almost turned it into alive. kind of a fort. Not only is he alive, folks, do you remember who he is? Yeah. And I could be a hundred percent wrong on this. I may have just misremembered it in my head, and now I'm feeling a little bit insecure about it. I'm pretty sure that's Pelean. Who was Thrawn's oh. second in command on the Chimera when we meet no. them in Heir to the Empire? Someone I could be Google wrong. This. Google no. it. I'm going to Google it right now. Okay. Oh, okay. But that's what I remember that's, him as, and oh I could my. be wrong. You could, could be wrong just, because you I just like like wouldn't totally that be a joy if that ancestry true? <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to reread that book. Okay, now because, because I, yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't. I remember I remembered being being like the Force Ghost of the uh, of the uh, pilot. Who crashed? But maybe that was a different book then. We're like just so nerding out. We're like all talking over each other and like, like obviously we're like way too excited. We need to calm down. Um, because I didn't meet Pelayan. I mean, I mean, I'd met him in that book, but I didn't meet him until years later reading other books. So that that's crazy. Um, let's see. What are some other? So I really like what they did in the expanded universe with the Empire. Uh, Go on. Well, they they kind of created this treaty and the Empire kind of just went off to um, the outer regions and just kind of created their own government and their own thing out there. And there was just like an agreement. You guys can go do your thing over there. You can go be Canada. <laughs> and, you know, the Republic is going to rebuild here and this traditional place and and. And we're not going to fight anymore. And there's there's always a lot of uh, tension between the between the two of them, but they're not adversaries anymore. And I always I always liked what the what the uh, EU did with the Empire. Scott, um, talk about in relation to Thrawn, the book we just read, First Order. Well. Um, Kind of what's what's understood uh, with currently what's going on. We don't know everything yet, but after the Empire was defeated uh, at uh, at the battle battle of uh, Jakku, they went off to the outer regions. Well, my theory is how did they navigate the outer regions if not for the information that was given to them by Thrawn, who in this book gives them all this hyperspace information. The Emperor even says, you've given me all this hyperspace, all these hyperspace routes with the exception of, you know, what crosses by the Chiss. So it's because of Thrawn, it's the only thing in this book really that, that ties in, it's because of Thrawn that the First Order even exists. Because the First Order is, is of course, the, the Empire. They went out to the outer regions like the EU, only then they kind of created their own crazy, stronger, evil group 
and created the bigger, bigger Death Star. <laughs> it can there can always be a bigger Death Star, you guys. Don't give up dreaming. It turns out, yeah. Um, I think that's great. I love that. Um, Amanda's back from researching. Yeah, guys, I'm sorry to get <laughs> everybody at least here excited about it. No, it wasn't Pelean. I don't. Oh. Somewhere in my my twisted, warped memory, I had placed him as that. I I think maybe I read the characters being similar at some for some That's reason at the time. Really freaking nerdy to even like make that jump of like. <laughs> I think it was Pelean. I think his name was Coral. <laughs> and he, but Coral. the thing is, he he comes back Shut again up, several. He comes back again, uh, I think, several times in the, in just I think in the Young Jedi Knights and the possibly, yeah. I mean, definitely in that, but then in in I think other incarnations as well. Um, but yeah. uh, so I think somewhere in there was sort of my memory of Pelean and and Thrawn because again I I you know read these all kind of when whatever I could get my hands on I sort of chewed through. Yeah. Um. So sometimes the stories intersect and I never quite remember which book that part was in and things like that. I I used to make charts. I lost them now. <laughs> I think that's totally forgivable to get a lot of this jumbled up because. Um, you need yarn and thumbtacks and oh, yeah. pictures. Yeah. And-, and that's super legit when you got that yarn connecting things. But uh, everybody <laughs> That's how you that. know you have a beautiful mind. But um, I think part of, and I'm being a little forgiving of all of us here with some of our Star Wars knowledge, um, partially because we all read a lot. We read a ton of books, not just Star Wars. And it is easy to get a lot of... Things jumbled in your head. There are so many books. There are so many characters, especially in Star Wars, that you're going to bleed them into other things. And also, when we were youth reading um, Star Wars books, like, you go to the bookstore and you bought what you could get. Like, you didn't necessarily be able to find every book in order. Mm-hmm. And we also utilized libraries. But that doesn't mean... Like that, you're reading everything in order or anything either. No. You're, you know, we can you forgive us, forgive us, people at home. I'm sure a lot of people can relate and kind of had to do the same thing back before there was Amazon and book depository. Sure, now you can get your hands on anything you want, anytime you want it. Uh, yeah, this, the, you know, there was a struggle, kids. There was a struggle. <laughs> Things used to be real tough. <laughs> well, and until later in the EU's existence mainly as I said earlier, the Yuzang Vong, um, you didn't need to read them in order. Mm-hmm. Each one stood alone on its own, and, and it did a fairly good job of explaining, you know, what the situation was and who the characters were and sure. how they got there. And and you just kind of accepted it and went along with it. I, I didn't read any of the books in order until I read the entire Yuzang Vong yeah. uh, series, which was like 20 books. Yeah, just like the ones you referenced before, like, well, I've mentioned it many times, The Courtship of Princess Leia, but also The Crystal Star, The Truce of Bakura. The, there's all these books that were kind of following in that wave of the Timothy Zahn books that were their own standalone series. And they do a really nice job of recapping things up to their point, wherever they are in the timeline. One other thing, just it should be noted. Of course, now there's canon versus non-canon. There's Disney versus non-Disney, all this kind of stuff that sort of degrees of separation sometimes. Um, but uh, they did make the decision. I think it was Lucasfilm, uh, or whoever it was, who originally owned the rights to the the books, that they did make it necessary that when all these books were being written, um, including Heir to the Empire on out, they did need to actually follow 
um, in sequence. As in, once something happened in one of the books, it had you can't make it not happen. They didn't want to go down the realm of just fan fiction where, well, but then in an alternative universe, um, actually, Luke and Leia found out they weren't sister and brother. Oh, I mean, you there's know, or so whatever. many ways you can spin Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the idea that, that um, you had to have cohesion from book to book, I think, is another part of just really what um, just grew this delightful, um, just nerdcore sort of uh, uh, following of it um, to begin with. And I just, I don't want that to go without being said. I think that was one of the most excellent decisions made in franchise history right there. Well, especially when you're talking about the number of authors who were involved mm-hmm. and and the decades that it spanned over, it it's really its greatest crowning achievement is that they were able to keep everything so cohesive and create one unified world and of course there's there's some uh contradictions here and there that there's just so many books to keep track or choices of authors made yeah that's but, true but there's there's net we get into Chewy. some of those choices yeah uh but they 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 did such a good job of just making it continuous so that everything fit together yeah and and they brought together the games and well particularly uh, the games yeah Kyle Katarn became a regular character uh in the books because he existed um for those who are a little more into the gaming side of things Amanda and I are not gamers per se yeah so we're not super knowledgeable about Scott has I mean he's played like all the Star Wars games Mm -hmm. um really briefly Scott, talk to us just in general about your feelings about Star Wars games. I think that there have been some really excellent stories told in the games, and there's been some misses, but when you're playing a game, it's a little bit different because you actually feel like you are controlling that portion of the story. Whether you feel like you're that character or not, it, you feel like you are controlling it. Uh, one of one of my favorite uh, games were for uh, the Xbox. The um, oh, why can't I think of it with with Vader's Secret Apprentice? Oh, that character is so good, and that whole storyline is so good. And it used to be canon. It really it it, mm-hmm. it explained so much stuff. It, it from what I understand. Dark Star? No, I can't. Well, it was like his real name, but... I, I can't think of it. Oh my uh, god, what is it? We're all failing. Uh, yeah. People at home are listening to this are like screaming <laughs> at us right now. They're like, you're not real fans. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but when you see those characters show up or get referenced in a later book, yeah, you feel like, it almost feels like you, yourself, are being introduced. Oh yeah. That's why I felt like it was such a big important thing when Kyle Katarn became part of like a serious part of the Star Wars extended universe in the books because for people who played Dark Forces, um I played it later, but for people who played those games, they they felt like they were now in the story. That that's them. That's their character in there. Uh another great one was uh x-wing alliance which i think is my opinion the crowning achievement it takes it it runs during the course of a new hope all the way through return of the jedi 
uh, and you are just a guy. You you you're basically a trucker. You're a space <laughs> trucker, and you get sucked into the alliance, and you meet up with everybody. You meet up with Han. You meet up with Luke. Um, you you get involved in a lot of the uh, events in Shadows of the Empire, which was the big book that kind of restarted all of that that takes place between empire strikes back and return of the jedi and you get involved in all of these events and you end up piloting the millennium falcon down the throat of the second death star <laughs> yeah! and right, it's it right just straight to hell the, it's just <laughs> the greatest fun experience because it with the exception of that final scene when you are now piloting the millennium falcon it 100 percent fits in with the rest of the story and and helps explain things that happened in the background that you didn't necessarily know. It fills out the whole storyline. I, I almost feel like this is like a big trouble in Little China and your Jack Burton <laughs> kind of reference. Like you just a trucker got pulled into yeah. some things that maybe were above your head, but uh, honestly, you got game. Jack Burton is always an appropriate thing to reference at any time <laughs> in life best one of the best friggin movies ever if you haven't seen it what are you doing you need to really rethink your life it's genius um i'm holding in my hands a relic manda brought some relics along <laughs> this book is hours of entertainment um what i'm talking about is the star wars the essential guide to characters and there's been newer versions yes indeed um <laughs> much newer and i versions. know like wikipedia is awesome uh, they're super, I mean, you can find out anything you need to know about Star Wars on the internet. I hope we never let these books die, though, these essential character sort of companion and compendium things, because it's not only fun for you as an adult, but for kids, like, this is good stuff, and you can just look up all these different characters, um, and again, so so much of this is pre-canon too. So those oh, of yeah. us who've been kind of on this for the long haul, you'll you'll revisit characters that maybe no longer have a place in the kind of movie uh, line of all of this, but are so great to kind of go back and remember and reminisce, like you were talking about with uh, with when we like Calcatarn makes makes the transition. I guess gets his big break out of the games and. <laughs> into our hearts and minds in the books like where you feel like wait i know that guy like i i i, I know, know that <laughs> like it's it's really satisfying my particular favorite one is the star wars essential guides characters from i think it's 1995 It is 95, so it's I just before it. the re-releases of the um, originals you know when they were retouched and oh all my that. god you guys i need this one it's the essential guide to droids yeah. oh it's like droid porn mm. so we so fun need it is okay. that a thing? Is that a real thing? That might be. That's too real. That's no, real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, is it rule 34 or real, rule 32? I, it's a rule. It's a rule. I clearly don't pay much of attention to the rule. <laughs> um, I, I'm almost like there's so many ways to go and there's so many things to be said. What else do you guys want to put in this podcast? Like, what else do we want to share with our friends at home? I, I want to know what what your feelings are as far as the future of the written universe of Star Wars. You want to know us as the people on the, and the people at home? Yes. But, Everybody. Um, I'd love to know what other folks think. I, I'd, like, I'd like to start. Um, I think that, you know, we, we, we've spoken a lot here about how important the extended universe was to us and to Star Wars as a whole. 
And to so many fans. And mm-hmm. there is so much that you can go back and you can read and you can experience for the first time or for the third time and, and love it. I worry with the heavy focus of movies that, that Disney has on Star Wars, for good reason, that that universe won't, a new universe like that won't come into fruition again. I th- I think mm. that I think you might be right in that because I I do think, well I I think you know very famously George Lucas knew he really wasn't done with the Star Wars universe when he finished uh, um, Return of the Jedi, but he but I think that for, by maybe just charm of distance, how long it took to get anything else kind of um put on that timeline it gave enough if people time to really let the scope of their imaginations wander oh yeah Um, and and the the gleam of nostalgia right whereas with this one you know there's unfortunately it almost feels like at the end of this movie cycle and then you know whatever other standalones they do they'll think of a reason to do another trilogy or to do some netflix originals which has been discussed yeah exactly and and i'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing but i think if everybody's sort of holding their breath waiting for the next official piece of the story to come out you you just you you don't necessarily bring in minds like like timothy's on and folks like that to try and further the story in a different direction I think everybody's just sort of like, you know, what's the point? Five years, my publication will be relegated to uh, yeah, I don't want other ideas. Yeah, I don't want to lose the hope and the joy of it. And it makes me happy that there are still so many Star Wars books being published. Mm-hmm. That gives me great hope. Um, and I should really read more of them. But you guys, just the list goes on and on. And There, there are, are so many. There are more that I want to read. Um we were talking briefly about Darth Maul lockdown. I did read that. Yeah. Um. I mean, there. There's a fun kind of departure from the normal Star Wars tone. Yes. Exactly. Um. You know, there's the whole there's the whole X-wing. You know, squadron. Books, we didn't even though, talk about those books, which are huge to people. Wedge. I mean, like you know, it's it. There's so many good things in there. I just recently finished again, um, Starfighters of Adamar, so it's kind of on my brain, but it's. It's delightful, and it's a whole different kind of... I think maybe this is part of the thing that you were talking about, Scott, too. Um, it's a different avenue. It's a different vein than exactly where the movies would go. The movies are going to follow kind of our core troop. Um, and, and with, with you know, the, the X-Wing Squadron books, that Wedge is not exactly an ancillary character because he's really integral <laughs> to making everything happen throughout these movies. But um, he's not, you know... As they say, he's not a saber jockey. Um, you know, he's not marrying one. Um, he's he's just he's a guy who is, happens to be exceptional at what it is he does. I don't know that there's going to be the same following like for Poe. I don't <laughs> you know. know. Um, there could be. Um, he's big. He's big. But um, you know, I I don't I don't know. We don't know where the future exactly. Holds. I, I you know I so I think because the charm of like the. The, the novelty of that, I think, maybe has died away a little bit. But I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong about Did that. Did you read any of those X-Wing books, Scott? Uh, I have. I've read some of them, but yeah. I, have, I have not, you know, gone You're in Since you, we talked about you're into more of the ships and things like that, I thought you'd probably, yeah. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about those, but well, I do. On. I do like um, individual Starfighter stories, or but... Um, I, I actually am more interested in the the admiral view when it comes to to battles. So that those can grade me 
over long periods of time. Like that's the kind of book that I'll read one and, and be really happy. But if I think if I read six, seven, eight in a row, it, it might get too much. It, it, w- it does get too much for me. Can I, can I ask you guys another funny little question? Yes. What's your favorite type of ship or transport in Star Wars <laughs> universe? Okay. Favorite type of ship? Um, or, or specific ship, I guess. Okay, well, don't say the Millennium Falcon, okay? okay. Yeah, I mean, that's such a winner. <laughs> so, okay, I think we should all do it on three. All right? Okay. One, two, three. Land Speeder. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'll start. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said Land Speeder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to cruise around on one of those, it's man? It's a car. It's cute. It's a car. It's It's a Toyota. I like it. It's my pick. It's my it's my friend. I I mean, honestly, it's probably you know in much much greater use across the galaxy than anything else. I never looked under the hood of one, as as they touch on on some of these books, and sometimes they sort of forget about it altogether. Most people are not actually cruising between the stars. Most people are born on a planet and die on a planet and never actually leave the planet. So, honestly, as far as, like, utility goes... How very John Cougar Mellencamp. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think he had a point. And please don't call him Cougar. (laughs) I think what makes this even funnier that that was, like, the first thing that came to my mind, because I hadn't even really thought hard about an answer when I asked you guys, is like, I drive a Prius, and I feel like I just picked the Prius of Star Wars vehicles. <laughs> You're onto something. Amanda, uh, defend your choice? Um, do I really need to defend the X-Wing? I'm pretty sure it does a good job of defending itself. You just want the outfit and the helmet. Okay, let's not deny I know the I value do. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah But sure. I, I'm still going to pick a thank TIE you, fighter. Thank you for bringing a little color into space. <laughs> Hey, appreciate that. I'm still going to pick a TIE fighter. I think the whole TIE fighter outfit, helmet, and ship is a little more badass than an X-Wing. Yeah, it's great how they can't get very far away from their main <laughs> ship. I think that's excellent. And they Certainly. just like disintegrate as soon as you throw a rock what, at it. What it's I'm true. saying is it looks cooler, people. <laughs> it looks more badass. I don't think... I think when the X-Wing is, is fully locked and loaded, I think that it's pretty badass. It, I think it's pretty hard to beat. It but, has four wings. It, it does. has four wings, it has four guns, it has yeah. four engines. Yeah, that's two more. <laughs> that's two more people. Of everyone. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Oh, it's 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 uh, it's the same. It's the X-Wing. Yeah. It, it, it has to be the X-Wing. It's only the X-Wing. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think that's pretty... I mean, like, TIE sure. fighters are cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. X-Wings oh. are jet fighters. I think I'd also... I can see myself getting around in an ATST. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, if we're gonna, if we're really just talking planet side equipment, then sure. Yeah, I could see myself getting around in one of those, or you know what? Well, if we're talking planet side, then it's the snow speeder. Snow speeders are cool because the A wing's my second favorite. Not that it snows where we okay, live. Okay, if we're really getting down to brass tacks, um, speeder bike, motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. Oh hell yes! <laughs> but you know what? Too. What about an Ewok hand glider? Yeah, well, that's definitely shown to have its uses. You can like throw like yeah, <laughs> slingshots at people. <laughs> What's your favorite Star Wars weapon? Not the lightsaber. I was gonna say yes. that. Okay, well, no. then I'm just boring, and I just want a blaster. I just want a blaster. Yeah. Then I, I, I want a bowcaster. Yeah, that's great. I want 
a Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool story, bro. Anyway. I want a Death Star. No, I, I yeah, I, a true I, weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> just it's. It seems like now that we know the problem. Thanks, Galen Urso. Um, like we can, we could probably get in front of that. Um, I love that good. dude. No, I love him. Oh my god, love him. But and it's Mads Mikkelsen in that the is, movie too. That is. He's hell yeah. of a man. He's great. <laughs> what else do you guys want to say to our Star Wars friends? I mean, I okay, and you know, come on, let's be honest here. We're not gonna never do another Star Wars episode. I mean, I'm sure we'll do one when the next movie comes out, or the next time we read a Star Wars book. Yeah. Or just, like, I find my old sticker collection or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I found my Star Wars stickers and I want to talk about it. <laughs> I would just like to say that I think that um, if you enjoy Star Wars, and we know you enjoy reading, if you haven't read Timothy Zahn's you know, episodes 7, 8, and 9, <laughs> starting with Heir to the Empire, mm-hmm. yeah. you owe it to yourself to read them. Do yourself a freaking service. Because yeah. I think that so far what Disney has done has been outstanding. And I have a lot of faith in them. But that is a whole nother universe for you to explore. You could read Star Wars books for the next 20 years <laughs> and never finish them. And that is a good thing. That is a great thing. I agree. Um, We love Star Wars. I think that's that's the truth. <laughs> Um, we hope you do too. Amanda, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You brought a lot of insight and excitement to our Star Wars conversations. And um, I'm not sure I've ever had that particular compliment <laughs> delivered that way before. And more is the pity. Uh, thank any, you. Though. Any parting words you want to say? You don't have to. I didn't ask you to prepare speech or anything. <laughs> Uh yeah no. <laughs> as she pulls out, as she pulls out her notebook, like a well, scroll. One. Yeah. I'm glad we've really begun the discussion now. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Amanda. There isn't any um West Wing books out there for us to have you on for a West Wing podcast episode. Give me a minute. <laughs> Is I'm sure there's fan fiction. Give me a minute. I'm sure at this point a lot's being written. In any case. um uh yeah if that if that thing actually comes up to be oh gosh if there really is a publication which is entirely possible i would love it if we could read it and then dissect everything there is to dissect about the west wing (laughs) what we might have to do in the meantime is next time you join us we're going to give you a good 15 minutes to talk about any west wing slash fiction you found on the internet (laughs) oh my it's gonna get weird who are you shipping with luke (laughs) who are you shipping with luke uh oh just uh, uh, um, does he have I, to I have think... a ship from I... the West Wing? Absolutely. Oh wait, hold on. Are you crossing Star Wars and West Wing here? This is slash fiction. You're damn right, I am. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Star Who Wars would... slash the okay, West Wing. Okay, real quick, Amanda, to wrap it up, Tony, Toby Ziegler. Yeah, perfect answer. <laughs> Could not have said it better myself. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We will be back. We will read more books. They will not always be Star Wars, but um, I hope you liked this episode. And as for usual, please, please keep reading past your bedtime. <laughs>